Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I'm a wizard! And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, which released in 1987. With a story by Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner, a screenplay by Frank Darabon, and directed by Chuck Russell. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Patricia Arquette's character, Kristen. She is suffering from dreams brought on by a hideous man in a hat, and she's been institutionalized. There she will meet Nancy, played by Heather Lagenkamp, and the two of them will team up and try to defeat Freddy once and for all. Okay, group's in session. Straight talk only in this room. So, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 released and was a massive commercial success. Yes. Made them a lot of money. However, the reviews were pretty damning. Yeah. And not a lot of people actually liked the film. So, the studio, New Line Cinema, were like, well, we need to figure out where we're going to take this forward. Because we're taking this forward. Yes. How about we get hold of Wes Craven and see if he might be interested in coming back. Wes Craven was like, actually, yes, I will. Because <laughs> now that you've franchised this thing and I'm not getting any royalties. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like a percentage yep. of the of the, uh, of the the Freddy money and I will write a script. Yeah. And he wrote a script. And New Line Cinema were aware of how ambitious this script was. Yeah. And they weren't really keen on it. And that was when Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell pitched an idea to New Line Cinema, expanding upon what Wes Craven had wrote. Yeah. And the studio were so excited about this this team that they dumped Wes Craven almost immediately in favor of, uh, of Frank Darabont's pitch. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunately, Wes Craven wasn't communicated with or talked to at this point. He was a little bit sour about it. He, st- he had an executive producer credit as well. Yeah. But he thought he would help oversee the project or get called, be brought in to oversee certain ideas uh, or, or story direction the film was taking. Yeah. But he was never contacted again. New Line was so happy with their new setup. And their, their explanation for it was that Wes Craven's script was too dark. They, they, it took Freddy Krueger in a direction they weren't quite happy with, making him much more vulgar, uh, especially in his swearing. Yeah. He used the C word a lot. He promised to defecate on their corpses, etc. Didn't he also write it kind of like what New Nightmare would be in the future? Those you ideas know? were there, yes. Yeah, if Freddy was going to be coming out into the real world, he was going to be interacting with real people, and they were like, look, this is fucking, what, 1987? This is... It's too early. We, we want some pop culture references. We want kind of Freddy like like what Jason's doing chasing teens and just slashing well, people up they, you know? they wanted to just make sure that Freddy also maintained his integrity of being a scary killer and yeah yeah during the production of the third film the studio were getting very antsy about the comical undertones that were coming through in this film which yeah. Chuck Russell explained like if we're going to continue this franchise forward you can't just keep doing the same thing you have to kind of play on it a little bit and so, for me, this film does strike that balance of comedy and horror, and it doesn't tip one way or the other too much. Yeah. Uh, but the studio, obviously, were very excited when the film was finished and they got to see the final piece, but as the film was being made, they were just like, we don't know how how this Freddy's going to be perceived, especially after the yeah. backlash of the second one. Yeah. The main thing they wanted to focus on was doing like what the first one was, which was having Freddy killing teens in their dreams, unlike the Haunted House possession movie that the second one kind of became. Yeah. Now, it's also been said that even though there was uh, a bit of a gap between two and three, not much. Yeah, yeah. The third film was rushed 
And all of the actors that worked on the third film said that it was the most stressful film that they'd ever worked on. Really? In terms of being on set. Chuck Russell was also his first time directing. Oh, okay. Patricia Arquette, her first time uh, on any film set, her her breakout role here. Wow. Um, but there were, you know, sometimes up to 50 takes to get a take right. Special effects were running behind, even though a lot of the crew were also upset because the special effects department got all the budget, yeah. which meant other things weren't quite working. And there was a lot of people blaming other people for the reasons why they were falling behind. But despite all of the stress and the tensions and 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 uh, and everything running high, they've turned out what quite could possibly be one of the best horror sequels ever made. I uh, I think that's a bit of a push, maybe. And uh, this is only my own personal opinion. You know, coming off the back of the second one, which I think has got a hell of a lot more darker tone. You know, we've still kind of got that demonic Freddy. Kruger from the first movie that he's a proper child killer. In this one, I I get what they're trying to do, but then I don't understand like why it happens and everybody just kind of ignores it. But like we'll we'll start off with the story. I mean we, we start off with Patricia Arquette, you know, she is trying to stay awake as much as she can and she's building the house from her dreams. You know, we obviously immediately recognise, if we've been watching the series, see it as Nancy's house. And it took me back, seeing it in this one, of what you said for in, in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, is that they wanted to make the house iconic. You know, it, it kind of works. It's like Crystal Lake for, for Jason. You know, this house, whenever you see this house, oh shit, there's a guy with a glove nearby. Well, I mean, it goes back again to, like, Wes's original script, which had dream warriors from across America all travelling to this Elm Street because right. that's where they're having these dreams. They're being pulled into Freddy's dream. Now they're trapped. They need to go and find the location that's calling them, right, which yeah. is going to be the house. Yeah. But we see, you know, young Patricia Arquette there. We've got, we've got to say off the bat, Kristen is very special as a, as a character, you know, unlike Nancy from the first one who she, she was your strong female teen that managed to survive to the end. Kristen is now going to be, a pivotal, pivotal point for the next four movies, for three or four movies, where her character can actually pull people into her dreams. But we don't know that just yet. We have her waking up outside the house, inside a nightmare, and Freddy is luring her in. You know, he's got this little girl on the bike, creepy as fuck. <laughs> well, I, I love the whole dreamscape, the house... Uh, uh, all of the children out the front skipping the rope, yeah. playing all victims of Freddy, and her going down the stairs into the boiler room, the girl coming out on the tricycle, and the furnace lighting up yeah, the boiler, yeah. and her just turning to Kristen going, Freddy's home. Freddy's home. She's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> she grabs the girl who somehow turns into like a doll, and she goes <laughs> running around the house with her. And uh, she gets caught in the tar. Now, as Kristen gets caught in the tar, my question is, is Freddie purposely slowing her down so that her fear grows so then he becomes of more course, powerful? Of course, of course. To then let her go so then he can feed on her more because yeah. she, she gets away and she actually does wake up. Now, like I said in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, it was the end of the gory kills. Now, Freddie is trying to kill children but make it look like suicides. Kind of, in a way, yeah. 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 Um, and I'm guessing, like, when when 
when people wake up, or when they don't wake up, when they've discovered their bodies in a, I don't know, a mutilated mess, or whether they're unscathed, or... Well, this is it, but, like, uh, like I go back to the first movie with Glenn. Glenn get, got pulled into his bed and exploded into a blood, of fountain, you know, blood yeah. fountain. That's not suicide. Yeah, but we never actually see his body... Now, in in there was a deleted scene though where Glenn's body comes up out of the bed and just slumps over it like un unmarked. True, 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 so, true. Uh, you know, but it, like it's the same in the second one. Like Grady definitely wasn't a suicide, right? You yeah. know, like like you don't do that. And it, it it does happen a couple of times in this. But she she kind of wakes up, goes to the bathroom, and you get that amazing body horror. Yeah, well, it's the dream inside a dream, isn't it? Yeah. Where she turns the taps, and they you see like. I don't know, these tendons, it's look it's definitely Freddy's arm. Yes. The same yeah. kind of skin tone or burnt skin. And uh and then it yeah, she ends up uh Freddy ends up slicing her wrist. Mm. And when the mum opens the door, Kristen's there with a razor in her hand. So yeah, it looks like it's being set up as suicide. But I mean that's not Freddy Krueger's MO, right? He wants people to know that Freddy did it so that they yeah. become it passes on. Yeah. So yeah, that is a little bit weird. But it was I think it was kind of like the subtext of the original script, maybe, where, you know, they wanted to bring up teen suicide and how bad it is. And, and parents that weren't quite understanding their children or believing them or being supportive of them. You know, there's that whole thing about the parents not understanding the kids throughout the franchise. Yes, the, 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 this was what I got with the franchise as well, especially when we got to the third movie. That unlike, like we said, the Friday the 13th, Teens weren't going out to some area and being killed by some known na nameless killer. This is Freddy Krueger. He's a child killer, but you, you could never just keep the story focused on that dark aspect. You had to kind of, you had to take the story into a lighter district to keep the franchise going. So then when we get Kristen going to the hospital and we're introduced to Dr. Neil Gordon, played by Craig Wasson, who's investigating all these teen suicides as well. You know, we, we're still kind of fresh in the story that um, in Springwood, you know, the teens are dying at Freddy's hands, but he's making them look like suicide. So nobody really knows it's Freddy, except these ones in this men uh, this mental hospital. We've got Kincaid, Will, Philip, and Taryn, and they all have these dreams where Freddy is chasing them, but the doctors and nurses there just think that they've got lack of sleep, and so they just need a good night's sleep, and then they'll wake up tomorrow and they'll be feeling okay. Yeah, you definitely get a sense that the authorities or the powers that be are doing the best that they can. Yeah. But completely failing these kids at the same time. Now, all of the kids understand they're all having the same nightmare about the same gloved killer coming after them. But yeah. the adults obviously don't believe them. You know, you'd think that the staff would understand that these kids don't want to be sedated. They don't want to sleep. And <laughs> yeah. so when, when Kristen kicks up a fuss, you know, lashing out at these doctors and then starts singing... You know, the, the nursery rhyme. Yeah, yeah. And that is when Nancy makes her appearance and finishes the song, which immediately uh, Patricia Roquette's character, uh, Kristen, she knows that she knows what's going on. And yeah. there's an immediate bond there. Yeah. I, re I did, really did love this introduction. I remember the first time seeing this um, where, like, like I said, the first time I'd seen number two, I was like, this is amazing. Everyone said it sucked. I had to go back and watch the first one. I thought, wow, this is amazing. I love the first and second one. And then coming back into the third one, seeing Nancy turn up, I'm like, man, this is going to get fucking awesome. You know, we've got the original. This is like Ripley coming back in Aliens to obviously face the, 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 the monster all over again. So how's this going to go down? And then with the introduction of, of Kristen, that you get this idea that these two 
have this plan. They, they, they're going to get together and they're going to capture Freddy, but still you've got the, the kind of, um, I don't know, the science behind it. Because Nancy, Nancy sleeps, but she doesn't dream. She takes, she takes hip- hypnosil, yeah, yeah, which was a dream suppressant. So she's managed to survive. I guess she still had nightmares, you know, after the events of the first film. But yeah. she took this drug to stop dreaming, essentially, to protect herself in case... Freddie would turn up in her dreams again. I mean, you completely ignore the question of how the hell did she survive the ending of the first one. You you just accept that somehow she left and she went off. But I also like the fact that in the series, they ignore but don't ignore the second movie. You know, they ignore that anything like that ever happened, but they just go, oh yeah, it was six years ago that Nancy had her thing. Remember, it was five years ago in the second movie. That's right, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It also explains that she's been off to college or university. She's got a degree or diploma in... In, in uh, I don't know, child psychology or uh, yeah, dream therapy. psychology and all these different things. She's studied all these things. I think she's also tried to stay away from just Freddy. Yes. You know, yeah. as long as she... The further away from Springboard she can be, the safer she is so that he can't kill her or something. I do want to bring up now, like, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, oh, sorry. Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. Morpheus or Maximus, as he is in this movie. He's just a no-name kind of like uh, hospital warden. Yeah. I, I love the fact that he's such a great, massive actor in this, you know, small horror movie. But he interacts with nothing. He doesn't fight Freddy. No, but he's there for the kids. You can tell that he really cares for, for them and the job that he's doing. Yeah. But... He's also the nice orderly, you know. <laughs> That's it, but he's such, that's it. He's such a good character that he kind of gives the story some kind of, you know, some backbone, but he doesn't do anything. Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get into one of my favourite dream parts of the film where Kristen is now in, in the hospital mm. and it's for me it's the escalation of the nightmare where it starts with the door creaking open. Oh, yeah. The tricycle coming in, leaving a trail of blood behind it before it starts to melt. Then she ends up inside her model house. Yeah. And after a little bit of wandering around... She walks into uh, the dining room, yeah. and there's that the the cooked pig the cooked on the pig, table, yeah, yeah. Which, which which squeals at her. Now, apparently, in the behind the scenes, like in a, in a bit of a rush, they uh, they used a real pig. <laughs> they cooked it so that it would, and then they and then they put it on the set, and then they got the animatronics in there to do the head. But by the time they were doing that, this it thing stank. had rotted yeah. and it stank. It stank yeah. And no, uh, the people that worked on this said they can still smell that dead pig. <laughs> it's good to turn them vegetarian oh, after God, working yeah. on, on this sequence. But it's the sequence that follows where from out of nowhere, this phallic Freddy head j- pops up out of the ground yeah. and starts to slowly devour Kristen. Now, I think this is one of my favourite effects in the entire franchise. The puppeteering work in it is fantastic. And uh, I, I just, again, a small bit of trivia for you is that when the snake is actually devouring Kristen, yeah. it's shot in reverse because they couldn't get the puppet to do it. Oh, wow. So she's actually yeah. already in there and moving out in nice. reality and then That's... filmed backwards. That's awesome. But she starts screaming for Nancy yeah. while she's in the dream. And this is another really effective uh, effect where Nancy sits in the chair and falls right into the dream. Yeah, yeah. Now, the way they did that effect was that the chair actually had a slit all the way through it, so that if you f- sat in it, you would just fall right through the back. Nice. And through a hole in the floor behind the chair, so it's a really great shot. But Nancy is now in the dream, and Freddy Krueger 
remembers her. Yes. Oh my god. I I, I love this sequence as well because you know it just it, it it just brings like I said the Nancy and Kristen character together. Now they've got this creature that they've got to fight. Nancy's just kind of completely shook. She's like, "Have you ever done that before?" And and Kristen kind of lets her in, like, "Oh yeah, I, I when I used to have nightmares when I was a kid, I'd bring my dad into the dreams as well. But after mum and dad have split up, like I was worried, like maybe dad had been killed by Freddie. But she's like, "No, we're divorced, and dad's just moved away. Um, so she's just been completely left on her own. And so I do like the fact that we do get some." hints because we saw Kristen with her mother at the beginning yeah yeah and according to the actress she plays the part guilt-ridden that she had torched and murdered Freddy Krueger years ago oh yeah so yes. you find that with all the parents that we do see in the Elm Street movies that they're, they're carrying the guilt of the fact that they killed Freddy and they're trying to still cover it up and most of them end up drinking yeah yeah and 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 Nancy decides that obviously if she can use this ability to help the other children, then maybe they would all be able to get some strength to be able to fight against Freddy. But at the same time, we've also got Neil Gordon, um, who's walking around talking to this scary-looking white nun. You know, um, who we, well at first we get told it's Sister Helena um, is her name, but we will actually come to know her as Amanda Kruger. Freddy Krueger's mother. Now, I thought this was just, you know, this was just the perfect way to keep the franchise going as well. Because, like I said, with Friday the 13th, we'd already, in the first movie, been introduced to Jason's mother. You know, had the whole scenario with her. And now we've got Jason coming around seeking revenge. With Freddy, we had got no backstory from him in three movies other than he'd been killed by parents after he was, you know, doing nefarious things to their children. So the idea of him actually having some parents and it being explained to you. Like, I thought that was a great way for the series to go. I don't like the way it went because they just didn't give it enough money. They didn't give it enough forethought. They just kind of threw something together. But at least in this movie, we have the start of it. And if you're you're paying well enough attention, this nun is just so scary. <laughs> <laughs> She's just floating around, you know. Floating around, mate. She's <laughs> appearing and disappearing like she hasn't got a care in the world. Yeah. And Neil Gordon's just like, oh yeah, nothing's going on. You think there might be something wrong here? Because yeah. all the time he's like, I'm a man of science. And she's like, well, if you're a man of science, then uh, maybe you who will be being laid to rest. Yes. So like, oh, i got to get religious. <laughs> now let's get to uh, one of the one of the most frightening and uh, and for me, pretty gory and nasty kills in the film, and that yeah. uh, that is Philip. Yeah, we get introduced to him a little bit earlier. We see that he's uh, creating these marionettes, these puppets, and uh, while he's asleep, Freddy inhabits one of these marionettes, and it's a cool effect as we watch the transition as Freddy kind of takes over the the skin of it. Yes releases himself and then grows full size in front of him. Yeah, now so I like to think that. Kristen brought Freddy into the hospital, possibly with her. I mean, it's an idea. Like, like I know he was kind of always there. He was, but, yeah. Uh, like, like, it's <laughs> Freddy just kind of attacking Philip. It's it, it. It just seems like such a crazy idea because once he's sliced him with the with the veins and he's pulled him out of the bed, which is such a gory effect. But you don't actually see it in the real world. 
he's just walking and it's like we'd already seen that some of the children are kind of on watch with each other they're trying to stay awake as long as they can but any you know as any night terrors one of them's awake to wake the other one up Kincaid kind of just ignores this rule yeah. with Philip <laughs> and just goes, off you go, mate. Have a nice walk. Oh, no. It's like Kincaid, you jerk. You fucking jerk, yeah. And and now, th- th- there is a bit here which I, I it's unexplainable, really. The, the door sequence? The fact that he just floats right through the door and it's like, now, is Freddy that powerful that he can manipulate the real world as we've seen him do in the past? Because because Philip is asleep, is Freddy able to just defy physics? I want to say yes, because he's Freddy Krueger and he's got some magical powers. But yeah, it's another stepping point for me because it brings me back to the whole suicide thing. You know, Freddy's got this... He's got the opportunity to kill this kid wherever and use his body to scare the rest of them. But instead, what he does is he sneaks the boy off to a point where he can show it to all of them in a fine display. But nobody can see Freddy. Oh, the only person who can see Freddy up in the night sky is Philip. The, the kids can see Philip, but it was the idea as well that, like I said, it's not a gory death. He just throws him off this rooftop. Yeah, but it's the gore that occurred to him before getting there. <laughs> yeah, nobody <laughs> else can see. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great special effect to kind of walk him around. But like I said, it's, it's the same when we get... Um, Jennifer's death as well. Jennifer is another actress who's trying to stay awake and she's watching TV. She's using cigarettes to burn herself to keep herself awake. And she gets a malfunction with the TV after obviously she's kind of slightly fallen asleep. When she gets close to the TV, another great special effect. You know, arms sprout from the side of the TV. Freddy's head just kind of appears out of the top of antenna on top of his head. <laughs> He says just the immortal line. And then he slams her head through the screen. And Larry Fishburne comes in and goes, Oh, clearly a suicide. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it is perhaps the greatest, my personal favourite kill in the entire franchise. It is so good. Now, the uh, Welcome to Primetime bitch wasn't even in the script in any version. That was just purely Robert Englund, yeah. who, like I said many times, now inhabited the role. He knew Freddy Krueger better than any script writer could and just knew when to ad-lib, when to improvise, and when to make a quote or a moment in the film stand out so much that it's elevated everything around it. Yeah. Just, just a perfect perfect execution <laughs> and so yeah that's another dream warrior down <laughs> well they didn't really these two didn't really have any powers because we get the group therapy lesson um with, with nancy where she sits down our main group and they all explain you know kincaid says hey in my dream i'm a super strong man and he breaks a chair you know taryn goes i in my in my dream i'm beautiful but i've got daggers and it's like Okay, you know, Will can stand. He's got magical powers. You've got Joey as well, who's a mute kid. And he's not said anything throughout the mo- most of the movie. And then he gets lured off at this sequence. And Freddy uses this nurse as as a disguise to lure Joey to a bed. And then while making out with him, shoots his or her tongue into the corner post. So that Joey is tied to the bed over what appears to be <laughs> hell. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, it's one giant wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. Now, apparently, uh, they tried a few different things here. Uh, you know, they were experimenting, really, with, with this effect. And originally, they were going to have Kruger top half. And then, and then busty naked nurse underneath Ooh. talking with Freddy's voice. Yeah. But when they shot it, they were just like, this is, this is really not working. It's confusing seeing a busty Freddy Krueger. So let's just go with yeah. the nurse until it's all Freddy afterwards. Like the in-between just didn't quite work. Yeah, I do like that cutaway where you don't actually need to see it. The camera just does the work where he's, Freddy's there. But Nancy and the group, they wake up after having a little bit of a run-in and the, uh, the, the, the head doctor dr sims yeah dr sims she sees the group and she realizes there's something wrong with joey and then the same like we said freddie must be able to manipulate the real world because he's able to cut a message into joey's flesh from the dream well he he's, he's probably carving the carving it in joey in the dream yeah yeah which but, is affecting his body in the real world just like we saw with tina at the beginning yeah but that's what uh, that's what i'm saying in in, in a dream maybe he walked Philip through an open door. Yeah. So yeah. in the real world, it, he just walked through it like it was nothing. I, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's magic. It's yeah. all magic. So this is where now we get really the science versus the the the, the supernatural. Yeah. Uh, as Doctor Sims is just like this is what you've done with Joey. He's in a coma. She calls in one of the executive board. It's just like you and you. You're fired. I want you out of here today. Yeah. All of these kids. I want them sedated and locked in their rooms tonight. You know, we get that sequence where. Uh, uh, Kristen's just like, you stupid bitch, you're killing us, <laughs> yeah. you're killing us. You know, and you, you give props to the actress playing Dr. Sims because, like, she's she is a villain in the film. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's because we know what's really going on and she's just doing everything by the book. She really does care for these kids, but but <laughs> she's killing them. But that's the, that's the thing. That's where, for me as well, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 kind of runs the tightrope of going from being silly and serious. You know, we've got this scientist who, you know, is seeing all this evidence, which is completely unexplainable about how this is all happening. But, that, you know, it's... it's it's fine, just sedate these children. But then, on the other hand, you've got like Patricia Arquette, who is trying her best to be the the, the, the new scream queen. You stupid bitch, you're killing us! You're killing us! She screams a lot in this film. She screams a lot, and some of it really just doesn't work. And so that, like, when you have her locked up, she can't be locked up in a room on her own because Freddy's going to kill her. And it's just like Freddy's not killed her throughout this whole entire movie. He's had <laughs> untold chances to kill her and he's not bothered. He's just fucked off. Um, but, but Nancy decides that she's going to get the group together and go in on a rescue dream mission for Kristen. Well, before that, yeah. she, she catches up with um, Neil uh, who explains that uh, Amanda or this nun has told him that she that he needs to lay the bones to rest of the killer, of which Freddy is Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And Nancy's like, well, there's only one man I know who will know where the remains are. And she has to go and find her dad. Oh, yes. And John Saxon reprising the role yes. of Lieutenant Thompson. Although now he's no longer a lieutenant. He's no longer in the force. He's now just a washed up security guard. Yeah. Drinking away his problems completely out of it and even even nancy can't convince him to uh to to relive the horror uh of his guilt 
She gets sent off to go and save Kristen, while Neil's just like, I'll, I'll deal with your dad, I'll go and talk to him. And you know, I'm like, John Saxon's a pretty intimidating dude. Yeah, right? yeah. And the way he knocks over the table and pushes John Saxon up against the wall, I was just like, this was any other movie. Like, John Saxon would kill you. But uh, he does convince him. Yeah, he see, I'd also him. read as well that like while in development, John Saxon and Robert Englund had both uh, put scripts into the movie of different ideas that they wanted to go for. Yeah. You know, and, and John Saxon was looking for like a more of a redemption story for his well, his, his cop character. He wanted to do back. a prequel. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 kind of difficult to to believe for me that a lot of these adults are just completely against you know, you've been seeing kids die for six Years, we an untold number of children have fucking died over the last six years, and none of the adults believe they know they've killed Freddy Krueger. They know he had a bladed glove. They've seen evidence of children being slashed up by a razored gloved killer, but they will not believe that it could be Freddy Krueger, who they burnt themselves. And uh, now the the the. One of my major issues with the Nightmare on Elm Street series is just how they will forget things that have happened in previous movies. But here, yes, Neo says to John, like, look, we're going to go find this corpse. And so they head out to the junkyard and John Saxon kind of points to this red Cadillac and says, yeah, the bones are in there. It's like, damn, the bones are in the back of Christine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we're coming back to Nancy, who's got the rest of the Dream Warriors together. Um, and they're they're getting ready to go inside to rescue uh, Kristen, and they do get to her room, but then they all get separated, don't they? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's. This is where we now just uh, tick off the Dream Warriors as they have their one-on-one -on -one <laughs> confrontations with Freddy. First up is Kristen, who uh, ends up being chased by Freddy, but you know we have the the mum flashback. Like the, it's if amazing. you're first time watching this film, yeah. you'll think that the DVD is skipped. <laughs> like if you're watching it on VHS, you know you're fine. Right? But if you're watching it on DVD, you're like, oh, the film skipped because it replays the entire beginning scene yeah. again, right up until her getting into bed, right up until Freddy killing and decapitating her mother. Yeah, I which caused it. It is great. I said, where's the fucking sermon? <laughs> great moment. And yeah, so Kristen jumps through the window, so she escapes. But then we pick up with uh, our, our, our wizard master. Yeah. Will. He ends up having to dodge this giant wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> with that... spikes on it and... I, I don't really understand the point of these dream warriors. It was like, the first time I watched this movie, I'm like, oh my God, they we're going to get this team together to fight Freddy. And then when they get into the fight sequences, they are useless. I mean, Freddy just basically looks at Will and goes, you're a cripple. You are you are disabled. You you have no you have no power here. This is my world. I knew this. And you know, Freddy's been telling me for at least three movies that he is the one in charge here. Your magical powers don't work. I mean, you do get a little bit of hope when he kind of bashes his hands and he raises up and he's like running at Freddy, like ah! <laughs> he blows up the chair, he runs and, at Freddy. And but Freddy don't believe in fairy tales. <laughs> yeah, and he just stabs him. <laughs> 
But it's the same with Taryn as well. We cut to Taryn. Taryn is in this dirty, grimy alleyway. We've with Freddy's haunting her with her past, her drug Yeah, past. there's been this whole thing that she's got being taken drugs and she's probably had been abused by men in her past. And I, I don't like the whole idea of the movie going, oh yeah, it's all fine, it's just part of her backstory. I'm like, no, this is some serious stuff. And then when she comes across Freddy, she pulls out two daggers. They have a bit of a knife fight and Freddy goes, look, I've got drugs. And you, you look at her arms, you get those little suckers on her arms, and she literally just gives up. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the haunted by her past, overcome by the... It just feels like both those characters, uh, you know, Freddy was just OP. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because they had to be killed off because of the story. Well, it, it, is, was just... it is explained. I mean, Nancy even says at one point later in the film that Freddy's more powerful than she remembers him being. Yeah. But that's because he's consumed a lot of souls. And we do see, he, you know, for the first time in the series, his chest or belly of souls, yeah. which is giving him strength. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it was, there was an unfinished uh, effect here for Taryn's death. Okay. Where, you know, we see the vein moving up her, her, her head. Yeah. And her head was supposed to explode and eyeballs pop out and everything. Uh, <laughs> but the much. effect just wasn't quite finished or working when they were filming it and it had to be scrapped. And cut when it does. But Freddy's still going, let's get high. <laughs> yeah. You know, still a, a this, great memorable death. This is it. This is this movie is the one that's most remembered because he's got so many good, you know, one-liners in the movie after every time he makes a kill. Um, and, and we get um, Kristen, Nancy, and Kincaid all getting together. I mean, spoilers, Kincaid all survived for the next movie. <laughs> he bursts through the wall and he's like, I thought I heard voices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there, there, it's, it's the Nightmare on Elm Street way of saying, oh, we're not going to kill off the iconic black character like a lot of other people do. We're going to keep him alive. We'll just kill him off the beginning of the next one. <laughs> yeah, because we yeah. know that that's what the rules are now. Um, Fuck you! But they, they make their way down into the boiler room to rescue Joey as well, um, who's still flowing across the hell mouth. And this is where they kind of have their one-on-one -on -one fight with Freddy. But Freddy is just so fucking powerful. He's in his realm. Um, but while he's fighting them, John Saxon and Neil are messing with the bodies. And he senses this and goes back to the real world. The whole Harry Harrelson um, kind of stop-motion special effects skeleton moment. Yeah, the the team that did the skeleton effect were like, man, if we only had Ray Harryhausen here to help us do this effect, because we butchered this. It's like, he did this better than us, like, how many years ago? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 30 years ago? Um, but I, I, love the, I love the Freddy skeleton. I think it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, they, I thought they animated it pretty well. Yeah. They, they tried to emulate... Robert England's, you know, movements yes, with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, he picks up John Saxon, throws him across the lot, and he gets impaled. Yeah. On the car, on the fender. I was like, damn, they, they killed off, they killed off Lieutenant Thompson. Yeah. But still, and uh, and and then the skeleton also beats up Neil and throws him into the shallow grave, and then half buries him before like, oh shit, I'm gonna get back into the dream world. Howls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the moon, and then collapses again yeah it's like, but I, i've always remembered that 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 animated skeleton i thought it was great the way he pulls the glove up as well and he's just you know he's just fighting with it and like i said he's doing little freddy krueger kind of motifs in the fight and while he's distracted the our gang have rescued joey and as they're making their way through like a, a magical mirror corridor freddy grabs them all um and starts pulling them all out and it's all time for joey's magical power to kind of come out and he just screams no and breaks all the mirrors and rescues the team now 
even I, at a very young age, after experiencing up to maybe two, three Freddy movies, knew that this wasn't over. You don't kill the killer off by screaming. So no. this whole ending sequence, well, I'm like, it's a trap! It's a trap! Run for your life! <laughs> and they what? They run into the next room. John the, Saxon yeah. floats down from the heavens. It's, his spirit comes down and he lures Nancy it's in. Angelic lighting, yeah. and he's like, Nancy, I've passed over, but I just need to apologize for being a dick as a father for however many years. Yeah. And as they're hugging, he turns into Freddy and he stabs Nancy right in the gut. I'm like, no! Because they haven't buried the bones yet. You know, we cut back to Neil who finds the bones. He pushes them into the grave with the last of his strength. He throws it with holy water. You know, he starts to say the words. And, and Freddy and uh, Kristen are fighting in the dream world. And Nancy comes back for one last fight. Gets his glove. Stabs it into Freddy. We see the damage from the holy water and the cross being put on the Freddy. It's such a really cool dramatic fight sequence but part of me it just it's just so heartbroken all this because i i just know nancy's just taken a mortal wound you know and even when we watch freddie's spirit kind of just like disappear off you get patricia arquette kind of holding heather Lagenkamp, dreaming you know screaming that she's going to dream her into a happy place i'm going to dream you into a beautiful dream yeah oh man i cried so much first time watching this film <laughs> yeah, I, I said no not no nancy way. but i put it down to patricia arquette like she you know, came out of nowhere, first time actress. Yeah. She just nailed this part and really made you like, she, like she's the surrogate for the audience in terms of caring about Nancy. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So yeah. the way she delivers it, 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 it really, it's really effective. You know, one of the the highest emotional points, I think, again in the entire franchise. It yeah, really, it's really effective. I mean, I don't understand. Like, I read somewhere that they were hoping to end the franchise here again. That they absolutely and I'm th like thought this was the end. Well, at what point? Because at the end, at this, the end of this movie, I can understand that this is the end of the franchise by killing he uh, Heather Langenkamp off. But I've already seen Freddy come back twice. At the end of each one of the movies, I can assume he's coming back for a third time. But when we see <laughs> Like the 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 doctor get lured off by um, Amanda, sister sister Amanda, Linda yeah. or Amanda Kruger, you know, and she see he sees the grave. Neil sees the grave and goes, "Oh, you were Freddy's mother. You were the one who were raped by a thousand maniacs over the course of four days. You're the one who brought him into this world." It's like, ah, uh, you're gonna end it there. Well, yeah, I mean that. Yeah. No, that's that's gonna continue. That's a massive continuation. They might as well written to be continued at the end well, of it. Well, they did because when Neil's asleep in his bed and he's got the model <laughs> exactly. house there, Freddie turns the light on. Like Freddie's still home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. But I mean, it still could have ended there. Now, even even Robert Englund was like, I was he was convinced that this would be the third one. He was like, I see this as a trilogy of movies. Great to end on, but. When uh, when they were getting towards the end of production, he was talking to New Line like, actually, I don't mind putting the makeup on. If you want to do more, I'll come back yeah. and do more. Because it would have gotten easier as the years gone on to put the makeup on. And, he, you know, he doesn't need as many effects. I can kind of understand why they went with a cooler looking Freddy in the later movies. Because it was just easier to slap the makeup on, Robert to do his line instead of yeah. all the special effects of him falling off things and fighting things and, you know, whole sequences. Yeah, I was kind of just satisfied with this ending that it didn't end in a in another dream sequence like the like the previous film. Yeah, yeah. It felt like an ending uh, to me. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. What were your favorite scenes from the film? Oh man, I 
like most of the Freddy stuff, you know, like if it's not a kill with him like being a puppeteer or slamming a girl's head into a TV, then it's the little moments with him like licking his tongue onto Joey's hands onto the bed or cutting off the mum's head and asking her demanding where the bourbon is. You know, the the, the, the fight sequence um, with, with Nancy and Kristen and Kincaid underneath with the fire sequence and then obviously the, the skeleton coming up and fighting John Saxon and Neil. It just... All, all of those moments, like, the, the movie didn't need to really explain much story to me because I already had two movies leading up to this point to garner the backstory of what was actually going on. I just needed to see Freddy kill people. And, yeah, I may, maybe it's... He's, he's not as gory in this one as I wanted him to be after the first two movies, but it's still cool. The giant worm. I mean, it's so cool. Hell yeah. So many favourite scenes in this film. I love the little girl saying Freddy's home. Uh, I thought that, that was great. Great atmosphere. Now, there was a, 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 a so an omitted effect here when, when she runs all the way back to the front door with the girl. And when yeah. she looks at it, it's like a skeleton child. Yeah, yeah. That effect was rushed together in 10 minutes. Whereas the guy that had worked on the original effect had spent like 10 days getting that effect ready and when they got it on set they went that's too horrifying we can't have it let's just have a burnt skeleton instead oh damn. it was basically he had looked at world war ii prison camp footage ah, and made a really emaciated skeletal fleshy girl Ooh. and they were just like no it's too horrible. it's too horrible get rid of it so they kind of knew really the tone that they wanted to set with the yeah films. yeah what was too much and what was playfully dark and fun yeah. and still horrifying. Uh, but yeah, that whole dream sequence, great, great moments. I gotta go now. Wait, little girl, don't go in there! I love Nancy falling into the dream with Kristen, the way she falls into the chair, the way she's confronted with this Freddy worm mm -hmm. and then just immediately stabs him in the face. Yeah. Just like, yes, now it's on between these two rivals that have got a history. Uh, great, great imaginative effects with that Freddy worm. I love the Philip puppet. I love the way his tendons are ripped off and the yeah. way that he, he walks like a puppet down the corridor. Great, great death sequence. I love the bit where Jennifer's watching TV and she's drifting off to sleep and the and Freddy ends up possessing or becoming the uh, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 host. the host. Yeah. And he's like, who gives a fuck what you think? And kills this woman on screen. It sounds like a boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, that was great. Love that line. Can I ask you something? Certainly. It's time for your big break in TV. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Yeah. Really great quotes. Such an imaginative death. One of the best, if not the best, in the franchise. Come and get him, bitch. The way Freddy carves it in the flesh. Great visual moment. Really, really strong. Uh, Amanda giving uh, the Freddy Krueger backstory and extending the mythology. I was like, that they're taking the story and they're moving it forward yes. just a bit, just enough to give you something new and not completely destroying the mystery altogether. And of course, Skellington Freddy. Like watching that Skellington get animated, I was like, yes, it's it's just so fun, yeah. so so fun. Well, Ian, you recommend Nightmare on Elm Street three. I definitely recommend Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Um, after listening to my friend there list off all of his favourite sequences and thinking about the film myself, I think this is the pinnacle movie for the franchise. You know, it, it 
gradually gotten bigger and darker and, and more scatter into it just got to a point where in the middle of the 80s it hit pop culture references and just integrated itself into society and tried to take in as much information as it could to bring in as much of a big audience as it could to make everybody want to see this movie or this franchise or this character and so it's it's just remembered so fondly yes the the, the series would would diminish a little more as the movies would go on after this but this is where it hit you know Robert Englund is just on on top form the special effects are on top form the actors are just really really great actors in their first couple of roles you know so they kind of elevate what would otherwise be a kind of mediocre story I I love the first one I absolutely love the second one and absolutely love the third one oh Hell yeah. This is getting my highest rating. It's an absolute must watch. I think it's the best nightmare in the series. One of the best horror sequels ever made. It develops the mythology of Freddy Krueger. It integrates the previous cast in with the new very well. It maintains the horror and takes the franchise to the next level. Setting a benchmark for the rest of the films in the franchise. The whole cast was great. Patricia Arquette was wonderful in the lead role and Robert Englund just excelled in the makeup. Frightening, menacing and funny. The entire effects team worked its magic here. Great puppets, great gore, elaborate kills, awesome sets, brilliant makeup. The story is also great. The characters likeable and relatable. Strong, foreboding atmosphere. Great music score and reuse of the nightmare theme. The dream scenes were so imaginative and inventive, with great escalation and execution. It's easy to see why Freddy became a pop icon after this film. So many memorable scenes and one-liners. Freddy steals every scene, and it's fantastic. I really champion this film. Great horror effects, production, everything. It's the, the finest line of horror and comedy before the series dips one way and never really fully recovers. If you think you're ready for Freddy, think again. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews.